With two weeks left in season nine, it is time for me to bring on an entrepreneur who has created a community that has led to over 125 investments in early entrepreneurs. Welcome back to that entrepreneur show. I'm your host, Vincent A. Lancy. Each week on this platform, I interview a different entrepreneur from across the country and around the globe. Whether you're looking to start or scale your business, this is the show for you. You never know which motivational journey will inspire you most. This week's guest is a proven visionary and leader in the entrepreneurial investment community. I mentioned that community he has built. He has created a powerful collaborative environment for bringing together like-minded community leaders, business executives, angel investors, serial entrepreneurs, and early stage companies that translated into investments in that 125 companies. His passion and goal is to work and support entrepreneurs and investors in building and funding great companies. Todd Dean & Co. is almost celebrating its 11th birthday, and he recently founded Sanjara Wellness four years ago. Get ready for the value ahead and allow me to now introduce Todd, Dean, Todd, it's great to see you again, and thank you for coming on the show. Vince, thanks for having me, and it's a pleasure to be here. Would you mind giving our audience a quick introduction without giving away too much of that entrepreneurial journey? <laughs> you know, someone was telling me a story the other day about when they became an entrepreneur as a kid, and, you know, of course, Mark Cuban talks about being a, a newsboy, I mean, a paperboy. Yep. And I was thinking about it and I go, you know what? I became an entrepreneur when I was seven years old, when I was raising money for the March of Dimes and we had to walk uh, it was 26 miles and, and we, me and my buddy, Jeff Allen would go door to door and raise money. And we did. Amazing. True testament to what entrepreneurship is, resiliency, not being afraid to get told no. You started at seven, but we're going to fast forward a little bit to your professional career. What led you into entrepreneurship opposed to going right to the nine to five? You know, I, I think uh, I think entrepreneurs, you're either an entrepreneur or you're not. And I think it's in your DNA. And so and it's it's not normal to be an entrepreneur. In all honesty, I wish I could go work for my, Microsoft or Amazon or Starbucks, mm -hmm. but it's not in my blood. And, you know, with that being said, I think where it really started is when I started selling life insurance. And, you know, if, I'm going to tell you right now, if, if you couldn't handle no, you weren't working there. <laughs> so, uh, but we, lo we looked at the numbers. And so we looked at the numbers. And if you did X number of calls, met with X number of people, you'd close so many people and you had a best case and worst case scenario. And so if you just run the numbers, you'd make money. And so it wasn't a matter about whether someone said yes or no. And um, I, I'm going to equate this to my personal life. <laughs> Can't believe I'm doing this one. You know, when I was in my mid 30s, I was with two friends, Tom and Heidi, and they were talking and, and they were talking about my batting average with women, you know, and, and I had a pretty good batting average. And Tom says to Heidi, he goes, yeah, but you should have seen Todd in his 20s. <laughs> He'd get shot down nine times out of 10. So then in my 30s, and not to be cocky, but I am. Uh, you know, when I'd hit eight or nine out of 10, I, I didn't care whether I had a no. So, so again, I think that confidence instills uh, within the person and that translates to building a company uh, or not. 
I can resonate. I my first internship was with Northwestern Mutual Financial Network. A lot of cold calling and a whole lot of no's. And of course, there is no right or wrong, whether it's nine to five, whether it's a business builder, whether it's an entrepreneur. What works for some doesn't work for everyone. But I can agree that it could be in your DNA. Nine to five, you get a paycheck on Friday. You don't look at your email again until Monday. Me, my busiest days are Saturday and Sunday, arguably into Monday and Tuesday because there's little distractions to no distractions. I'm just working. Don't have to check my email. It's just go, go, go. Two different lives. What you prefer in life is up to you. And you chase, I guess, a corresponding career. But you've been on your own for a while now. You've seen a lot of businesses develop, Todd. What would you say two of the most difficult parts of being on your own as an entrepreneur are? You know, I I think that being a CEO is one of the loneliest jobs in the world. And the reason why is because you have to make the decisions that can literally make or break a company. And and that's why peer groups such as, for example, Vistage, uh, Tiger 21, the Bohemian Club, I mean, you know, which are various groups um, and they have, you know, men and women groups both. But the point is that as a CEO, you know, you're, you're the leader mm-hmm. and, and whether you're like a Marcus really is, you know, taking on the Roman empire or whether you're, you know, um, a general, for example, you know, Patton, Patton had way more failures and successes in his early career. And so that's very true of being an entrepreneur is that, you know, you're out there leading and you're making those decisions and you don't know whether that decision is going to forward the company or whether it's going to impale the company and you're going to go out of business. And the odds are that you're going to fail. You actually have better odds in Vegas. So <laughs> the reality is, is, you know, working with entrepreneurs, being an entrepreneur, you know, we all think our baby is the most beautiful. And the reality is there are some ugly babies out there. Um, and so the, when it comes to building a company, you know, you've got to defy those odds and, and you can't stop if that's your mission. I like what you said. You kind of have to trial and error in a way. There is no blueprint for entrepreneurship. You have to just make a decision, go with it. And most likely you are going to fail if you want to look at it like that, or as a chance to do it again, see what didn't work well, add that little piece to what does work well, try it again. Chances are you're not going to get it right again, and you're going to have to do it one more time. Of course, there are those situations where you get it right the first time, but it's a rare occasion. You're going to have to fight for it. You're going to have to learn it, and you're going to have to network maybe to even learn a little bit more. But speaking of network, we want to look back on our life and our lessons learned to to really learn. What would you say one of your greatest failures or lessons learned is, Todd, and what did it teach you? My, one of my greatest failures was in 2007, 2008. I was running my company. Um, we had kind of a, um, I don't want to say a lavish, but kind of a higher end clientele. And so we catered and, you know, I saw the, the market was turning and I thought, well, you know, I, you know, what's going to be six months or a year for the market? Well, you know, three years later, you know, uh, 2010, but I didn't adjust our expenses quick enough based on the market timing. Okay. Now, fortunately, uh, I'd bought my partner out, brought him back in. Um, he he, get, he was able to pick up the company without the assets, which is, I mean, the, the liability, which is great. And to his credit, he's done a fantastic job. 
and they're the largest angel group in the country today. Which so, business is this? So we can do uh, our listeners on board? Kiritsu Forum. So that, I ran the Northwest. And so it's, it's the largest angel group. And But the point was, is that I did not react quick enough with that market timing. That is certainly a lesson learned. And you could see it's similar to maybe the situation we're going through right now with this market. If you could go back to that time though, Todd, what is something you would have done, you think? What is something you would have done for yourself? Oh, I, I would have trimmed the fat off the hog really quick. I mean, would have, <laughs> I would have cut back the expenses and we would have, you know, instead of steak, I would have been eating mac and cheese. So, uh, you know, it's just one of those things. Now, there are a lot of learning lessons. That was just one yeah, of Of course. Uh, but um, it certainly uh, cost me a lot. Well, we're going to segue into something I'm very interested in because of your personality. I'm very intrigued by the answer. If you could, if you could choose to have a conversation, learn from any entrepreneur, dead or alive, who are you sitting down with? You know, his name is Bernard Rappaport, and I work for him. Uh, he's, if you Google him, he did more for education in our country than any one individual of our lifetime, but people don't know who he is. Let's, uh, let's give him our, some love right now then. Let's shout him uh, out. Yeah. And he, uh, he started the company. He was, his dad was a Jewish immigrant. Uh, Bernard borrowed 25 grand and sold the company for a couple billion dollars. And so Bernard was 99, I think when he passed, Amazing. but he, you know, I walked in his office one day and he had pictures of every famous person you can think of Nelson Mandela, Martin Luther King, JFK. And they all said, you know, to my really good friend, Bernard Rappaport, but Bernard was really modest. Um, but the way he ran the companies, he always lifted us up. He always lifted us up. True leader. True leader, true leader. And he was a prolific reader um, and an absolutely off the church speaker. So I miss Bernard and he was a tremendous influence on me. In fact, real quick, quick story. Um, when I was hitting, I was, we had our sales goals and I was pretty, I mean, it's probably a year into the business, maybe nine months. And um, you know, I was in my mid twenties and we had this goal and, and I was so excited because it was going to be my first bonus. And back then it was like $5,000, which was a lot of money to me back then. Right. Probably, you know, equivalent to whatever now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I turn in my paperwork and my manager goes, Todd, the deadline was yesterday morning. And I go, what? And I'm not kidding. I wanted to just break down and cry. So he goes, well, he goes, let's call Bernard. So he called not even the general manager. He called the CEO of the company and CEO Bernard took the call. I'm like, I was like nervous just being on the call with Bernard. So Bernard says, you know, you know, you know, Joe told me the situation, Todd, and he goes, you know, you know, clearly it wasn't intentional. You know, he says, you know, you missed the deadline. And he goes, clearly we have the money to pay you. He goes, but here's the problem. If I bend the rule here, where do I stop? Needless to say, I didn't miss many more bonuses after that. I have to ask you now, since this is an entrepreneur, you knew this is one of the first, if not the first for the show in the nine seasons. I now ask, where would this sit down be? So now I'm going to ask you, you already know him. Maybe there'll be some kind of sentimental thing you'll tie in here for our audience, but where are you going to dig into his brain a little deeper? You know, I think that he just truly uh, cared about people. And I think at the end of the day, I mean, what's the greatest group in the world? It's the Beatles. 
And what was the Beatles' top song? You know, all we need is love. And Bernard was very, he had boundaries uh, (laughs) and he was kind of a no BS guy. But at the end of the day, you knew Bernard loved, I knew he loved me and I was a nobody and then ended up becoming a somebody in the company. And I think that's true of entrepreneurs too. And that's why it's hard to be an entrepreneur because you don't have people loving you because everyone's telling you it's going to fail. It's not good enough. I don't want to invest. It's the wrong market timing. You know, it's a stupid idea. You know, you should go get a day job. You know, you should put more focus on your family. You know, again, uh, it's not normal to be an entrepreneur. And I, I don't even know what normal is. I can agree with you there. The support as an entrepreneur is there, but it isn't. I can, I can resonate with what you're saying. It doesn't seem like it's going to happen because it's not likely. But if you believe in yourself, things do happen. And I look at when people shut down my ideas, maybe a lack of confidence in their own form. And it's just translating to mine. But we're going to look into the future now here. Short term, long term. Start with either one. What's on the horizon for you and all of your entrepreneurial endeavors, born and unborn? You know, building a company, you hit milestones. So you, you never, it's not like there's an end goal. Right. You know, and, and I'll give you an example. So with Sinjara Wellness, you know, if you knew the behind the scenes story, you just, you wouldn't even believe it. Some of the stuff that's happened. You know, I've tried to quit this this particular venture probably about 25 times or more. Okay. About a year and a half ago, I was going to walk away from it. And I was just, I was just tired. I, you know, it's stressful. You know, you got a lot at stake and I, I was just done. And I was talking to a friend of mine and this is a game changer play in the, the wellness space. And one of my friends said, Todd, if you don't build this, who is? And I was like, God, did you really have to put that guilt trip on me? Well, it worked. And, and the reality is, uh, this is not too long ago. I had a milestone to meet. And one of my lead investors, you know, has, has a fair amount of capital in the deal. And, right. and she was kind of freaking out. And she was like, you know, what's plan B or what, what's going to happen if we lose it? You know, and I, I, and I literally said this, I said, get that shit out of this conversation. Mm-hmm. I go, I go, you take that negative attitude and you take that somewhere else. I go, there's, there's still time in the day. And there's still time in the clock and anything can happen between now and what our deadline is. And sure enough, we, we had a miracle happen. So you can't ever give up ever. If, if, if it's truly your passion, because you never know what's going to happen. And I'm going to tell you, I've had things where the, the dates got moved that I didn't plan on. I had money come in that I didn't expect. I had people join the team that are significant names mm-hmm. that I, I didn't plan on working with these who's who's, you know, hand in hand. So you just, you got to keep charging forward regardless of how you feel. Cause I promise you there's days even recently where I've wanted to go screw it. I'm done, <laughs> but I don't, I keep moving forward. And that's how you become successful as an entrepreneur. Very well said. And you can see at his level of entrepreneurship in serial entrepreneurship, it's not about short or long term. He has levels. He's trying to unlock accomplishments. So now if you like what you heard so far, you're going to love this because it's time for the spotlight story where each week I share the entrepreneurial journey of a fellow entrepreneur to inspire our listeners. And we will have Todd's take on it because as we have the entrepreneur crushing it in Idaho on the show today, We will bring the journey of another to the show in J.R. Simplot. 
who coincidentally I found out knows Mr. Todd. So we're going to get into it. This self-made billionaire was known as the quintessential entrepreneur and is one of the oldest members of the Forbes 400 richest Americans. Get ready for a truly incredible story. I added a little more detail in this story than usual because I couldn't really trim anything out of this story. After he dropped out of the eighth grade, he left his house at 14 years old because he would fight with his father with just four $20 gold coins. With this in 1923, he built an Idaho-based empire on frozen French fries and semiconductor chips. He next started his entrepreneurial life by paying $1 per day for room and board in Declo, Idaho Hotel. Next, he purchased interest-bearing script paid to teachers who shared his digs, as the article puts it, for 50 cents on the dollar, where he parlayed this investment into collateral on a bank loan to purchase 600 hogs at $1 each. In 1941, he earned $500,000 supplying dry onions and later dry potatoes and vegetables to U.S. troops in World War II. It's not done yet because right after the war, his food production business started freezing and canning its products. And this led to the frozen French fry. He's teamed up with McDonald's in 1960 to get this into fast food. So thinking of all this that we see regularly today came from JR in the 60s. His namesake company, which is still privately owned, today sells one-third of the French fries sold in the entire United States to companies that include Wendy's, KFC, McDonald's, and the likes. However, there was some controversy, and we'll hear his take on this in a second. He was charged with attempting to massage Maine potato futures in the 1970s and was barred from commodities trading for six years, had to pay fines. In more recent years, his company was criticized for cloning cows. So a lot going on here. Todd, as a fellow Idaho man, fellow Idaho entrepreneur, what can you offer on this story? Well, not to correct you, but real clear, I grew up in Montana, but I live in Idaho now. So Okay, fair, fair enough. So J.R. Simplot, I happen to have the opportunity to meet him. Uh, I happen to know uh, John Otter, who's his grandson, is, is a very good friend of mine. And Simplot is still a very present company. They've expanded the business into many, many different uh, facets as far as the, the food side of things as well internationally. Now, getting back to JR, uh, this is a story you didn't hear uh, that I actually heard firsthand from, uh, from JR. Well, there's a video of JR and then it's from his grandson both. But how JR really got his break was when he was doing the onions and the potatoes with the government one of the vendors owed him some money. So JR got in his truck and drove to Orange County to get his money from this guy. Uh, and this is way back when, I don't even know the year. And he's sitting in the lobby and back then they had, you know, they had secretaries and a desk out front in an office. Well, the guy didn't want to let him in his office because he knew why JR was there. So JR was sitting in the lobby, he's talking to the guy next to him and the guy, the, the, this, this vendor owed money to this other, this other guy. And so they start chit-chatting. Well, the other guy happened to be Ray Kroc. And Ray's like, well, this guy isn't supplying me the potatoes. And, and Jared's like, well, I got the potatoes, but he didn't have the machinery. Mm-hmm. So on his way home from Orange County back to Boise, he figured out how to get the machines to handle the, the potatoes for Ray Kroc. And, and this is true even today. So they had a handshake agreement. And today that agreement still stands. And that's why 
uh, JR or Simplot still provides all the potatoes to McDonald's. Now, another quick thing. So getting back to the, the speculation about the insider trading and all that, JR was a man of integrity. And uh, Ray Kroc invited JR to be on his board. And, and JR turned him down. He goes, I'm not going to be on your board of directors. And Ray Kroc says, you're not going to be on the board of McDonald's? And he goes, no. He goes, you use the company jet for private use. He goes, that's not, that's not ethical. So no joke, Ray Kroc took the, the jet off the balance sheet on the corporate side and put it on his, on his personal side of the balance sheet. And I, I think JR joined the board. I don't even know on that part. But the point is, is the guy had integrity beyond integrity. And he's one of a handful of individuals that ended up being a billionaire in two completely different industries. And he knew what it meant to be an entrepreneur. He knew, knew what it meant to struggle and also make things happen. And he was the one that gave uh, Joe Appleton the dollars that he needed to start Micron Industries in Boise. So a little trivia for you there. I am very grateful I chose this specific entrepreneurial story to tie in with you. I call that a little bit of good luck. And with that, I have to thank you so much, Todd, for all the value you brought on the show. I have to start with the analysis and the spotlight story right there. Can't say much, much more about that. I liked your future endeavors because you related to a different type of entrepreneur on this show where they can resonate with you hitting those levels going up and up and up. And of course, right away in the beginning, when you said it's in your DNA, I think everyone listening to this show can agree with you there. And it's now time for the last word. You know that I also do this on my other show, A Mental Health Break, as a guest on that platform too, because I want the listeners to really get to know the guests I bring on. What are you ending with this time, Todd? You know, I'm ending with this time is that as an entrepreneur, you're going you're gonna to face those challenges where <laughs> you're going to want to quit and you just can't. You got to keep moving forward regardless of what your wife says and what your family says and what your investors say. If it's within you, don't stop no matter what, regardless whether you succeed or fail. Wouldn't expect anything less. Please do share to our listeners how they can get in touch with you how they can check out all the great work you've done over the course of your career. You know, it's really easy. Just Google Todd Dean. Um, I show up on all the social platforms, LinkedIn, Instagram, TikTok. Um, you know, best professional network is obviously LinkedIn. And you can just put in Todd Dean and it'll pop right up. And Sanjar Wellness is my current venture. So be sure to go check out what he has to offer. Reach out. He is here to help. You can learn a lot from what he's been through over the years and just advising on looking on 125 companies chances are one will relate to you and while you're checking out his social media check out ours too on instagram facebook and linkedin we're at that entrepreneur show and on twitter we're at podcast by lancy to get updates from this show and a mental health break my handles are at vincent a lancy on all social media youtube and my website is vincentalancy.com if you were interested in a signed book instead of Amazon, DM me because I would love to connect. I am a three-time published author and Mr. Lancey Talks Mental Health is my most recent book available. As always, I'm going to end the show with a quote that inspired me and know it will for you too. This one is from today's Spotlight Entrepreneur, J.R. Simplot. When the time is right, you just gotta do it. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next week of That Entrepreneur Show.